Playmakers, everyone. I am your host, Haley Elwood. It is week seven. The Seattle Seahawks are coming to down to take on the Los Angeles Chargers, but I'm so excited because Laura Oakman is on the call. We are doing this in person. I've never done this before with Playmakers. Really? Yeah. First, first. First time. We're in the front yard out here at Hogue Performance Center, as I like to call it, and We'll obviously touch on the game at the very end, but with you being here, I just wanted this to be a conversation about so much of what you embody off the field and in terms of your job as well, but in terms of building relationships, prep, galvanize. We'll get into all of it. So thank you for joining me. Um, the whole introduction while you were looking in the camera, I was looking at you smiling because I'm like, <laughs> Haley, we're having a conversation on camera together. Uh, together. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Any any time with you is meaningful time. So I'm thrilled to be here. It's awesome. You were here just a couple months ago with Galvanize. We'll get into that a little bit later, but I want to start with this first because I did get a, I asked for questions. I got a question that involves game prep for you. Yeah. And I think for a lot of women in the industry, it's something that they're supremely interested in and yeah. with this game specifically though you don't have the chargers a lot maybe once a season so for you what does a week look like it is uh from the second that we leave our last game which for my group of kevin kugler and mark sanchez we left the rams on sunday <laughs> and you're back week. in la back in la <laughs> so we leave and we get to our plane and everyone's like do you have a glass of wine like do you relax I'm like no you got to then open it up and go you know who's your who's your next team and yeah how did they do today and so from the second that you leave your game you are now all about these next two teams and what we do is every day we get clips sent to us every article mm -hmm. that's written on both teams which is terrific to be able to see what's being written watch the games and also lean into the relationships make sure that i'm you know reaching out to players and coaches who ha have a relationship with both teams and one just saying yeah i'm so excited to see you but also starting to ask questions and starting to just do all our research mm -hmm. and it's it's always an interesting thing because we get plopped in and and you've been following the Chargers and the Chargers fans have been following the Chargers you know all year so we come in and we can never all of a sudden say things where everyone's like yeah we know this they <laughs> talked about it last week and the week yeah. before so it's catching up on mm -hmm. all the teams and making sure that you're continuing the conversation and looking back a little bit because the Seahawks fans don't necessarily know how the Chargers have been doing but also making sure that Chargers fans don't feel like what are you doing you're just kind of repeating everything we know yeah but it's uh it's a great week of really trying to immerse yourself in both teams and by the time Thursday and Friday come along that's when we start doing zoom conversations mm -hmm. with uh, usually the visiting team these days and we meet with the head coach and the coordinators and and players and then Friday we jump into the facility and we get to do all of that and go to practice so it's such a fun week of just all of a sudden not having two teams in a while and suddenly feeling like, oh, I can't wait for Sunday. Like, I'm so into these storylines and so excited to see everybody again. Were you a good student? Because I feel like sometimes with this job, there's so much preparation that for me personally, I have to go back to like study habits that yeah. I had in like high school and college. Yeah, and probably like most of us in journalism, at different times I was a very good student, at different times I wasn't. but my preparation has always been the same yeah. and my reoccurring nightmare i'm sure you have this too it's constantly still 30 plus years in this business i still have a dream that wakes me up that i show up for an interview and i didn't know it was happening or a game and you're like i don't know what i'm talking about so um i would say that it wouldn't matter um if i'm doing tv if i'm doing radio which i mm -hmm. also do 
my preparation is absolutely the same week to week. You had mentioned when it comes to athletes that some of the best lessons you've ever learned have come from them. Yeah. What's the biggest one? Um, two, okay. but my earliest one was from Charles Barkley and I had reached out to him um, as a young reporter and a young woman figuring it out and he answered the phone before cell phones, but he answered his phone and he said, well, 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 Laura Oakman, what do you need? And I was like, Charles, can a girl just call and say hello? And he said, a girl can, you just never do. Mm. And he's like, I'm not trying to give you grief. I'm just saying you always call when you need something. And as a young woman, one that just hit me in the heart because who wants to be that person? You know, when someone looks and is like, ugh, uh, well, yeah. yeah, like here she goes, what yeah. does she want? Not answering that. And that's the nature of our business, right? right? Like, I need, I need. But that jarred me very early on to go, I don't want to be that as a, as a person. Forget as a reporter, as a person. But I just at that age and stage was like, why else do I reach out? I'm not going to say good game. I'm not going to say how was your weekend. Mm -hmm. Also weirdness of a young woman reaching out and yeah. so navigating that. But I immediately went, that's not what I want to do. So it completely changed my path to making sure that I was constantly reaching out still, constantly reaching out to people when I don't need anything. And the other one was from Michael Jordan. I covered him playing baseball, and when he left to go back to basketball, I also got a job in Chicago and started covering him, and I, I used that to my advantage because that mm. was a big reason why I was hired, and I kind of would do a little sneaky thing after practice when no one was around to get a couple questions answered, and my bosses were telling me to do it, and the third time I did it, he kind of, as he saw me, <laughs> did a Michael Jordan finger. Uh, and I walked over and he said, I know this isn't you. I know you have bosses that you're trying to impress and I know they know what they're doing. Yeah. So what I'd like you to do is go back and tell them just because you can go to the well doesn't mean you should. Hmm. And back to building relationships. So he said, I will give you one sit down interview a year. You decide when, choose wisely, but that's it. And so I also had to quickly learn, okay, my bosses don't have my best interest. They just want Michael Jordan. I have to be the one to have the relationship right. with Michael, which they were already Or else they're not getting at. anything. They're not getting anything. So, so, I mean, I could go on and on, but those were my first two, and they completely shaped the way that I viewed relationships, in this, in, not just in this business, in this life. The Charles Barkley story hits me because I think back to my time when I started at the Chargers. I was in my mid-20s, but I was part-time, so I was only coming in a couple days a week. and Got to get to know him. Got to get to know him. Yeah, exactly. But... I, I'm going to parlay the story to even the staff. When we were in our building that we were in down in San Diego, it was called South Park. It housed our digital content team, um, a couple other just community relations was in there, a couple other just sort of people from different departments. So it was like a smaller, the main building was on the other side. And I would constantly just be blinders on. Like, hey, if I had to go to the bathroom, just blinders on, go to the bathroom, come out, get back to my bullpen. And one of our guys who works here, who works in operations, we've become so close now. And he would always tell me, he's like, you were so serious back yeah. then. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't know, like, you're funny, like you can make jokes. He was yeah. like, you're so serious. And for me, I told him, I'm like, you know, I was just so concerned about doing the wrong thing yeah, that totally. I thought the right thing to do was to blinders on, not worry about anyone else, not make the relationships. But then we had a coaching change and that to me, not to mention the move to Los Angeles, yeah. but that to me was the wake up call of like, oh, I got to get in with these. Like I need to start lowering my guard 
because the higher that's up, they're not going to respond to that either. And so just to have a staff member tell me that was like the wake up call and sort of the moment of like, yeah, I had to shift at that point. I don't, I, I think every woman watching this, if you're in sports or not, and I, I want to say if you're in a male dominant in industry, yeah. but which one isn't, will understand this. Proving yourself is really hard. Really hard. And <laughs> it's just, it's this never ending tightness of, I got to prove it. I got to prove, I know what I'm talking about. I got to prove I'm doing it the right way. I got to prove, I got to prove. Can't do the wrong thing. And you can't do the wrong yeah. thing. And so that's just its own blinders. Yeah. And so by doing, you know, it's kind of like if, if you're, if you're in your head, I can't make a mistake. I can't make a mistake when you're on the field. Of course, you're going to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with us. It's just we're coached to not do the wrong thing instead of what's the right thing I want to do. You know, let me open up. Um, it's, it's the beauty of, of aging. Of mm -hmm. Finally, when you prove it to yourself and all of a sudden you don't have to prove it to anyone and suddenly you're not a reporter and a person. You're not, you know, your job and who you are. It's just you become you who does a job. Mm -hmm. And... That for me was 40. You got that. We always talk about this. You got it so much younger than I did. Thank God. But it's hard. It's hard to be a woman when all eyes are on you. And still, I've been in it 30 plus years. And there's still people assigned to teams that I hear about that are like, see where the women are looking in the locker room. Mm -hmm. See how she's dressing. And that's the stuff that I dealt with 30 plus years ago that you have dealt with. And also the young ones coming in are still. So the proving isn't going to change. Yeah. It's always going to be there. Yeah. What's the biggest lesson that you share with not only young women who want to get into this industry, but maybe even young men too? Yeah, totally. Um, I make sure what I've been talking to players about mm -hmm. more than anything right now is making sure that you're not focusing on there and make sure you're focusing on here because there's no such thing as a there. You know, <laughs> it's just you keep waiting for a there and it's like there isn't like next step no it's yeah. just you know i can't wait till i get to this well, yep. then you get there and there's another there and another there and so it's what are you doing right now so lately i've been talking to a lot of players who i have relationships with about don't wait till you're finished mm -hmm. to start going i want to go into broadcasting i want to go into real estate i want to go you have the currency right now you've got you know seven or eight what is it now but your road games so are you making sure that every time you're on the road, you're inviting someone that one day you want to partner with to come to a game? Yeah. Are you doing your home games? Are you giving them, you know, opportunities to go to practice? Are you making sure that right now you're using this? Because if you don't right now, while you have currency and you have gold to give, you're just another person in line. Mm -hmm. And I know when I started, if you asked in the old days, if you asked a player what he wanted to do, they were like, I can't talk about it. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm focused on football. Yeah cool you can be focused on football but you also have to be going what do I want to do to align myself with the next chapter and and probably with the with the women it's it's a little bit of the same in terms of I'm going to use such a, a tired coaching and uh, cliche but it's the truest thing it's just be where your feet are mm -hmm. it's just there's no there I know you want to get to the next job and the next job and the next interview but You've got to focus right here because this is where the fun stuff is. I yeah. think about all the complaining and whining I did in Montgomery and Chattanooga in my two you know, first years in the business. And if you sat here and made me tell more stories about what I've learned, they're all from Montgomery and Chattanooga. Yeah. <laughs> so take your time and enjoy the moment. Enjoy the here because everyone's in such a hurry to get there. And as someone who... I'm always asked since you're there, I'm like, but I'm not there. Mm -hmm. I'm still growing. I still have goals. I still have all these cool things that I'm doing and I want to do. And thank God I stopped the tunnel vision and I started 
looking a little bit bigger and going, who else am I besides this job? And how do I take advantage of it while I'm still doing this job? So one of the cool things that you do is obviously working for the NFL on Fox as a sideline reporter. That is a role, and you and I have had many discussions about this, that sometimes people think doesn't add value to a broadcast. Some broadcasts don't have them on. What did COVID teach you maybe about the importance of that role? Um, It taught me most importantly, there's no such thing as a football reporter or sports reporter. It's really making sure that I really hit this hard with the young women you better be a reporter. Yeah. You better know what you're talking about and not just the sport you're covering, but in general. Yeah. I mean, it's, we were standing in empty stadiums and, and, you know, and experience moments that we will never, God willing, experience again. And so (laughs) I don't think I ever viewed myself during, you know, two years in a moat as a football reporter. And also, it changed every conversation. You know, I didn't, it was very rare that I had a conversation with a player or a coach one-on-one and we talked football because it was just, you couldn't, the world was going on. Right. So it taught me the importance of making sure that um, that they're hiring journalists and training these young men and women to be reporters, not, you know, fill in the blank reporter. And also it really was a reminder of we are eyes and ears down there because suddenly for two years you could hear everything going on over there there wasn't anyone in the stands so for that full season of being like oh my god it's like you're literally just hearing every conversation and it really was a great lesson of reminding myself that um not to count hits Mm -hmm. not to think my value is when i'm on television or on the radio that's part of it but the bigger thing is how am I helping this team and during really weird you know a couple of years that's where I felt um, the value and also um, we were the only ones whose our jobs changed everybody else stayed in the truck stayed in the booth but we were doing our job in a whole different way and how cool to be you know doing this for a really long time and have to completely reimagine how you're going to do your work going back to I have my routine. I do it the same way and suddenly like, no, you don't. So I think it was a reminder also to trust yourself mm-hmm. and to also lean into the growth a little bit. How did you build relationships with that during that time with maybe some new players? Because for me personally, I wasn't in this building yeah, totally. and I tell the story of I never met Justin Herbert in person until the summer after his rookie season. Yeah. We did a bunch of Zooms and all of that. but. From that point of view, what was that like? Um, I gave up two things for COVID. I gave up assholes and I gave up small talk. <laughs> I just didn't have time for either one. And that small talk helped everything. Mm-hmm. So it was the Zoom interviews, making sure that they were still meaningful to sure. make sure that my conversation like this didn't change because we were in a box. And leaning harder into my relationships that I had so to be able to reach out to people and sometimes ask for things for the game more often than not not Mm -hmm. but also I mean every game I had I was texting anybody that I had a relationship with each team and going I'm in a boat here's where I'm allowed to be come visit you know like come say hi and that's probably where I found a lot of joy of realizing you know who your friends are you know to have coaches and players come up pregame and you know texting to go where are you in the moat so I think it was um it was making sure that I was heeding Charles Barkley's advice and reaching out a lot just to check in on people and also just not doing the small talk making Mm -hmm. sure that every conversation was meaningful which I know is always appreciated but that year that you know that year was 
extremely appreciated and I treated how are you like a question so sometimes I would just someone would come to the mode or call and I would just start with how are you and they'd go hanging in there how are you and I'd be like hold on how are how you, are you? No, and that was it really? right that's the only and then you kind of close the book no more questions are going to be asked because that just kind of went mm-hmm. so I think I think what got me through it with the relationships is making sure I leaned in on them and I grew them and I made sure that they were probably more meaningful and impactful than probably ever. So let's get to Galvanize because like I said you were here just a couple months ago and for those who might not be familiar with it what's your quick elevator pitch of what Galvanize is? I need to be better at that because it's like (laughs) you know I'm like three hours later. Um, Galvanize was started because I didn't have a, a woman in sports to lean on when I was navigating it all these years. I didn't have a woman mentor. I didn't have women friends who were peers and so I wanted to create something for all these incredible women to um to help them navigate mm-hmm. this this gray. There's no black and white, as you know, in this business, it's gray. And so now, you know, uh, it's been over a decade and it's every age and stage. Our last cycle, we had as young as 17 and we had as old as, 50, old as 52. And just incredible women uh, in all over sports. Um, we have women, not just broadcasters, on camera, off camera, agents, HR, marketing, PR. Mm-hmm everybody and just trying to get a sisterhood in uh in an industry that i really didn't feel one so when you come here to nfl team facilities i know you've worked with hockey before who else colleges at the same time one of the things that you do is you pair these women up with like the rookie class totally and the chargers have done it multiple times with you i think six years around yeah i mean i remember we were in san diego and i saw you and your group walking out and that's how i connected with you because i was like what is laura oakman doing here oh this is really cool what was it like being back in person for these oh so meaningful it was so amazing because as much as i kept saying to the women and to the players when we would bring them in nothing's going to change you guys you know Mm -hmm. we're going to the same thing we're doing in person we're going to do in a zoom box and then you get in person and go oh it's different you know and and as you know we get very emotional we get extremely vulnerable and we do a lot of exercises with the women and the men up in empathy and trust Mm -hmm. and vulnerability and we get a lot of men who cry a lot of players who do who break down and so to be able to see those moments again and to watch a player reveal something he hadn't revealed to his teammates and watch guys hug each other and listen to a room being really quiet you know on zoom it's muted so you don't know if it's just because everyone's muted or if everyone's in the moment totally and so you know I mean the Chargers rookies crushed this year it it, to have that silence again and that it was really meaningful impactful silence was really special and when I was leaving like walking out of here I was walking out and there were a line of guys coming up to give me hugs and you know and I don't get this I'm not the one-on-one I'm pairing Mm -hmm. them up so for me to be able to have those moments and to be able to hug the guys and to tell them how wonderful they were and to feel like uh, I got to know them was really special in person I miss that for me because I get to be in that room it it reminds me of like the Hamilton room where it happened kind of song because it's just so it is like it's a moment and it's really special and you get to see them pair up and years past you've had the women interview the players and this year you did something different you had them speak to the player get to know the player and then you had them share the players who not what they do, yeah. which I know is your mantra and something really important to you. But then at the very end, you asked if any players wanted to switch. Jamari Salyer, who has now stepped in at left tackle for the Chargers, was like, 
hand up, ready to go. What did that tell you about him? Um, it told me that I'm talking to him today. He was the first player <laughs> that I said, can I get some can time I chat with Jamar? With uh, also, just to say how proud I am of him because I feel like a mom to the women and to the players when I leave. But boy, did it tell me about his empathy. Mm -hmm. It told me about his leadership. It told me about to have a young man whose head was like all of them their head is so full by the time we walk in and we're the first group after you know after months of them getting to know each other to kind of stop everything and go take a breath and how are you back to the how yeah. are you and it showed me that even with him probably overwhelmed with this new chapter and this new life how engaged and interested he was in in other people's stories and that was a big reason why I did the switch. It was one of the good things with COVID because we couldn't do the interviews virtually. You knew, you've knew you seen this for you know as long as we've been doing it here. The interviews were never the magic. The magic was the exercises. The chatting. And then the, mm -hmm. they would get there in front of a camera and the guys would sort of just, res, you know, like I don't want to now say this. So why I wanted it to change was because it put the pressure on the women because mm -hmm. now you got to find out all the information and just stand there next to your partner standing up and tell a room of teammates something they haven't heard about their teammate. Mm -hmm. And I liked it for both. I liked it for the men because they could finally feel like they were sharing something and not feel the pressure. And boy, did I love it for our women storytellers because it is so... I, 30 plus years in I still feel the pressure and the responsibility on my shoulders like you do to get it right when yeah. you tell someone's story and I want them to feel that in the room to have to stand up with a guy standing there looking at you here's my heart here's my vulnerability share it mm -hmm. like that's heavy so I loved watching the women crush it you know for the the whole every boot camp partnership and also watching the guys tear up and watching their hearts swell having somebody share their story was magical. I'm always amazed at the level of trust that happens so quickly because some of the stories that you hear are deep and tough. And like you said, there are teammates in that room that probably have never heard that before. And I think it is just incredible to have, and I think it, it you know, sometimes I think these younger generations get a bad rap and yeah. I'm not saying every single person who's maybe Gen Z, subscribes to that notion but to me it's it's it sort of restores your faith in humanity a little bit when you see that happen it's almost also when I stopped proving myself proving myself I never asked good questions insightful personal questions because I thought that was a girl kind of thing mm -hmm. and so I was so hell-bent on making sure I was asking football questions or whatever sport because prove it prove it and then once I got comfortable and my sweet spot is the meaningful purposeful you know like who not your do and it helps so much now because I can't tell you the last three years how much I've gotten to know Aaron Donald. And Aaron went from years of having a shield up and I just thought he was aloof and intimidating. And so I sort of stayed away and then started connecting with Aaron. And the last few years, every game I have, he'll go deeper. And it's always I get to share it on, and, on camera about him mm -hmm. in therapy. And him right now, you know, I just saw him a couple weeks ago and he's reading a book on masculinity and about how real alpha men cry and share their emotion mm -hmm. and show vulnerability. And for me to be able to stand up there in front of rookies and to be able to say, let me share some things at Aaron Donald, or, you know, I'd say Justin Herbert, but Justin's still in the, he hasn't gone there Figured yet, right? Face. Like he's still in there and we had him for galvanized. 
But Brian Urlacher, you've talked about before. Took me years yeah. to get that out of Brian. So I think um, it helps as a woman because it's taken me so long to figure out how to do that and to do that well. And then to be at a stage of getting to get all these young men, these young Gen Zers, they crave the vulnerability. They, mm-hmm. These guys crave more than any other group I've ever been around in all these decades. They crave the who are you. They're not scared of that. So it's, it's, I will forever, ever be grateful for these conversations. And again, you know, I always say this to you, but like, that's no different than when I'm on an airplane. That's no different when I'm, you know, when I meet somebody at a party. Um, I just was at an event the other night and my husband and I didn't know anybody, but I just kept looking at this like incredible woman. She was just so beautiful, but like radiated inside out. And before we left, I was like, just walked up and was like, just wanted to say this real quick like (laughs) in a room of you know like great people like you are beautiful and she was my age and so I just said I know you hear it all the time but I hope you hear it from women Mm -hmm. saying how wonderful and she kind of turned to me and my and Mike and was like what do you do and I was like no we're not doing that (laughs) like just came here to say like how magnificent you are and we're out Uh and so I want to make sure that the same things that I'm doing every day are the same things we do with the players in there because it's no different. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm super grateful for this conversation. We're going to end on one football question. Just overall thoughts on this game. Um, What I'm really excited about is we have two teams that are really still trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I think both have good records and would say that we still have not yet found our identity. And so... The Chargers coming off a win, which felt like a very fortunate win, (laughs) and the Seahawks coming off of their first win where they said, that's what we're capable of Mm -hmm. defensively. So both sides really feeling, both teams doing the whole, let's see what we can build off of this. So I know I can't wait to be on those sidelines as the momentum always shifts, you know, and seeing that who's really going forward and who's mm-hmm. and who kind of goes wait a second maybe we aren't who we were hoping we are so i think this should be a really fun one we're looking forward to it thank you so much for joining me out here appreciate it any time with you and in this environment in the sod <laughs> and this beautiful nice. day thanks for having me thanks. Thanks.